I was relaxing and the boys were just on the bed with me. My youngest was massaging my back and my oldest was timing my contractions for me. And it was just, just euphoric. It really was even before I had the baby. It was just the most sweet, special, sacred time for my family. Welcome to the Happy Home Birth Podcast, your source for positive natural childbirth stories and your community of support, education, and encouragement in all things home birth and motherhood. When you describe your labor and birth, what words come to mind? Difficult? Intense? Powerful? What about euphoric? Hey there, happy home birthers, and welcome to episode 166 of the Happy Home Birth Podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Fusco, and today we're going to be talking to my friend Rose of Rose Uncharted. Rose is a wife and mother of three children born at home. She began cultivating an online presence on Instagram by sharing her unconventional lifestyle choices and ideas, and by pushing back against the societal norms of how we should live and raise our babies in this modern age. Her signature message has been to encourage women to tune back into their simple, innate, God-given intuition, and to take their bodies and their health into their own hands. She'll be sharing her three home birth stories, and I can pretty much guarantee that there will be chills or tears by the time we finish this episode, specifically around that very idea of a euphoric birth. Now, before we get into this unbelievable episode, I wanted to take a moment to thank this week's reviewer of the week, H.R. Contreras, who wrote, Amazing resource and so uplifting. I am pregnant with my fourth and planning a home birth in the next few weeks. If I didn't have this podcast to listen to, I would feel so unprepared and undersupported. It's so incredibly rare where I live for mamas to have a home birth, and it's not something anyone I know has done. I am so grateful that I found this podcast because if I hadn't, I would have never heard another home birth story prior to my own. It's like having a community. This podcast offers so many different perspectives and resources for an expecting mama planning for a home birth. I will be binging it till baby four is here and suggesting it to other pregnant mamas. HR Contreras, thank you so much for this beautiful review and thank you for being a trailblazer in your area. It's not always easy to step out and do something different, but you are so courageous and I know that must be serving your family so well. If you'll email me at caitlin at myhappyhomebirth.com, I would love to send you a Happy Home Birth podcast sticker. And speaking of community, if you're looking for further community and guidance as you prepare for what you know to be the most pivotal day of your life, your upcoming home birth, I would love to invite you to join me inside of Happy Home Birth Academy, where we can dive deeper into preparing our heart, mind, soul, and body for this transformative event to make birth sacred again. If you're ready to feel the excited anticipation while you await your own euphoric birth experience, meet me there by heading to myhappyhomebirth.com forward slash HHA. Okay, let's head into this beautiful episode with Rose. As always, please remember that this show is not medical advice, it's an educational tool, so continue to take empowered responsibility for yourself and your family. 
Rose, thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Hi, Caitlin. I'm so excited to be here. I have been a longtime fan of your podcast. I binged, I want to say at least 50 episodes on my last pregnant during my last pregnancy. So I'm definitely a super fan and really excited to be able to actually be a guest of your podcast. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on after following you for quite some time on social media. I love the way that you are so intentional with you know, your, your family and how you just approach life. And it was really enjoyable, enjoyable to see that in the home birth preparation for your most recent child, your daughter. Um, so I can't wait for the listeners to hear all about that. So one thing that I think is really interesting about your experience is that you did choose to give birth at home with your very first babe. And I think that that can be such a mental block for so many families. Um, so I'd love to hear a little bit about that, how you and your husband decided to have a home birth with your first. Sure, yeah, so I was newly married. We were newly married and I was 22 years old. Um, I did not have any preconceived notions about what birth should or shouldn't be. I definitely didn't have the belief that birth is a medical event, that it's a medical emerg emergency. So I didn't have anything already pre-programmed pre in me that needed to be resolved in the first place. So I think I had a leg up right from the get-go. Um, so and my mom had two home births with my younger uh, sisters. So I was familiar with the concept and it wasn't a radical concept to me at all. Um, so when I became pregnant, uh, the first time I, I remember the first time I really sat down and thought about it. And it was the most natural decision for me. It was the easiest decision of my life. I mean, I've never been more confident in this in a decision. Um, it was it was so clear to me that 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 home birth was what I was going to choose, and that it was perfect for me. Um, and I, you know, most young women have a fear of childbirth in some way, shape, or form. I really didn't. The only fear that I had was the lack of privacy in the hospital. Actually, I would I remember being a little girl and imagining. Um, having to lay on my back with my legs spread and, you know, doctors looking at me with bright lights. And that terrified me more than anything. I wasn't terrified of the pain. I wasn't terrified of the experience of, of childbirth itself, but it was that, that just sterile. Um, I, I just imagined it just being horrific. That, that was it for me. And so when I became pregnant, I came face to face with that fear again. I was like, oh my goodness, no, no, I'm not doing that. I cannot do that. I will not do that. And I had never um, looked to doctors or medical professionals to, uh, help me with my body or my health ever in the past. So I certainly wasn't going to start doing it for my birth. So I wasn't even in the, in the mind of thinking that I needed to seek professional help for pregnancy. So it was an easy decision for me. And, um, yeah, I was, I was immediately just enraptured with the entire idea. I was so excited. And I spent the entire nine months just dreaming of that birth, that moment. I, I could not wait for the moment that I gave birth. And it was not something that I feared at all. I remember thinking that it was probably pretty abnormal how much I had such a lack of fear. I really did not have any fear whatsoever. Um, so that was pretty amazing. And I really didn't do anything to achieve that other than just believe in my body and believe in uh, the way that God created our bodies. 
and I knew that it wasn't something to fear and that it wasn't something that I needed to seek help for, but that I could just trust my body. And it really was just as simple as that. Mm, yeah. I, that answer just gives me chills just because it's so simple, but it is made to be such a massive issue. And when you take such a simplistic approach of, yes, this is, well, this is how we were designed to do it. I mean, what could be more natural than giving birth intimately in your own home and to not have, yeah. And to not have the fear that is just, I feel like it's just bestowed upon us, you know, from Mm -hmm. generation to generation in these last few generations because of all of the just brainwashing. So it's really, really neat to hear that that was your experience. And I love knowing that you were able to grow up in a way with understanding that birth could be a natural event because of the choices that your mom made. Right. And I I was also subject to, you know, the, the movies that have the, the screaming woman on the bed. And I've seen, I had seen many of those, you know, examples of what childbirth could look like. And honestly, it didn't affect me. I think just because I was so far removed from hospitals and doctors and all of that, that, that never even crossed my mind. Um, I've never been admitted to the hospital. I've never been to the hospital for myself. I've never really gone to the doctor. Um, so it was, it wasn't even in my realm of thinking that that would be something that I would experience personally. Right. And honestly, I, I can see how if I were giving birth in a hospital, I might react that way too. Like Mm -hmm. (laughs) so not conducive to giving birth physiologically. So I mean, I kind of get it. So another question that I think of when I think of this is what did your husband think? Because, you know, sometimes it may be that a mother feels really strongly that home birth is the way to go, but then her husband's like, oh, I'm not sure. So what was that situation like for the two of you? This is a question I get a lot. And unfortunately, I don't have a good a good answer because my husband was so supportive from the beginning. He uh, he was he had a similar childhood as me. I mean, he was um, a little bit more on the medically minded side as far as his parents, but he didn't have yeah, he didn't have any preconceived notions either. And when I presented him with the information and what I wanted to do, I mean, there was no, he didn't have any red flags. He wasn't um, concerned in the slightest and he was more than supportive of my decision. So yeah, I I don't really know what I would do in the scenario that my husband was not, um, not in support of it or cautious and, and I guess, have with a little bit of apprehension. Um, I, I guess I would say I would really put a lot of energy and effort into educating him and, um, and I wouldn't do that for other family members. And I think there's a question that you'll get into later, but about what to do with when family members are, you know, just not really very respectful of your choices and not in agreement. Um, I wouldn't give them, you know, all of my energy in order to educate them, but when it comes to your husband, you know, that's someone you really want in your corner. You really want them to be um, in support of your decisions. And my husband actually, as I was walking up the stairs to go record this with you, he said, he's like, tell her, (laughs) he was joking, but he was like, tell her a happy home birth. Um, Shoot, what was it? He said, to have a happy home birth, you have to have a supportive husband. He said it in a way that was like quirky and funny and now I'm forgetting it, but it made me laugh. I was like, oh my goodness. But he really, he's like, make sure you shout me out. <laughs> but he was, no, he was so supportive and it really does make a difference when you have 
a husband that is in full support of your choices, it definitely makes it makes a huge difference. So I definitely feel for those who are are having to walk through that. Mm, Yes, I, I feel the same way. And I luckily my husband already knew before we were even married, I was working as a student midwife. So he knew (laughs) what he had in store. (laughs) Like, There's no getting out of that. Um, But it's true that obviously there's so much work that can be done when that is the situation, when your husband's uncomfortable and there's so much education that can be done to make that easier. But when that's not the issue, oh man, it's such a nice way to start a pregnancy together, being on the same page and being able to just immediately revel in the connection of what the two of you are doing and creating together. Absolutely. So with that in mind, we know that you guys were on the same page. What was that first pregnancy and labor like for you? I had a wonderful pregnancy. I I can't recall really many complaints other than the, you know, the typical little things like heartburn and swelling. But other than that, it was wonderful. I I had a wonderful mental state during the entire pregnancy. I spent a lot of my time uh reading birth stories. That that's I feel like where I got my main education. Honestly, I think just reading birth stories, you're you encounter so many different scenarios and different um points of view and um, I really enjoyed that as, as, um, as opposed to reading literature and, you know, science and I'm, I'm more of a, um, I don't, I don't tend to care too much about what the science says because I know what I know, um, about my body and I trust, you know, God's design. So that definitely wasn't, um, wasn't where I spent my time. I loved watching birth videos. I am sure that I watched every birth video that was on the internet. <laughs> um, that was something I just loved to do. And it would just, it would just make me long for my moment when I was able to have my child. So yeah, again, I'd had no fear and I was just, it was all excitement and I was prepared to go past 40 weeks. I was uh, not concerned about that. I had a, a very supportive and wonderful hands-off midwife who was letting me, uh, do whatever I wanted to do. How did and you find that was, her, by the way? So we lived in a community where there were a lot of home birthing moms, which I didn't know at the time, but I ended up finding out that um, there was a lot of, a lot of home birthing moms in my area. And I heard through the grapevine of a couple different people and I met with two and I decided on one. She was just a very sweet, uh, wise, gentle soul. She was the younger, on the younger side um, for as far as midwives go. And uh, I just really liked how um, yeah, she just, she had a lot of just wisdom and I could just tell that we aligned my most, I guess my, uh, criteria for a midwife was, are they going to let me decline all of the things? <laughs> yep. And I don't want uh, to be told that I can't do something. And I don't want to be told at the very end of my pregnancy, oh, hey, actually you have to do this or I'm not going to come to your birth, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to make sure that I had midwife is aligned with how I view birth. So I had a lot of, you know, a lot of questions every time I do a whole list of questions to ask. And yeah, I was really happy with her. I had a 20 week appointment. I, I do a 20 week appointment with all of my pregnancies. I don't really see any need to, for anyone to monitor me before that point. Mm-hmm. Um, so 20 week appointment and then yeah, a handful of appointments after that really low maintenance, no, no real, you know, just kind of hang out chat 
and we did do labs for all three of my pregnancies. Um, but that was it. And, and we did the finger prick for the, instead of the glucose. So that was the extent of my prenatal. And we went to, for, I went to 42 weeks mm. and it was fine. I was fine. It was, it was summer. So it was hot. I was really big. I was, I was extraordinarily large um, in, the, in the belly, <laughs> in the belly area. I mean, everyone would ask me if I was having twins. Mm-hmm. So that if anything, I was like, oh man, looking in the mirror, I'm like, this thing has to come down and, and around. How is this going to happen? But I, I really did trust my body. And I knew, I knew that, you know, this is what my body was made to do. So at 42 weeks, I went into labor after a laughing fit. Oh, my, my husband, my husband put, we had just gotten this birth pump in the mail and my husband put it on his belly button for some reason. <laughs> And it was just hysterical. He's just a jokester. And I got laughing. And so I stood up and then my water popped. And I actually was taken quite aback by my first labor experience because I had always imagined this long, slow intro, you know, early labor. And it wasn't that way at all for me. It was within 30 minutes, I was not able to stand. So I was on the ground getting, trying to get through, make my way through the contractions. And it was, there was no time at all to really get the feel for what was happening. And so I did feel like it hit me like a freight train, which was unexpected. I really didn't expect that. And also you just can't, you, you don't know what the contractions are going to feel like um, until you experience them. There's really not a good way to explain them. Um, And so, you know, it's a shock when you feel that power surging through you and there's nothing you can do about it. It is, it is quite shocking. So my labor was about 12 hours and no, it was 14. And I went into labor in the evening and labored all night. It was, it was pretty intense, but I never had any sort of mental blockage. I really just was really patient and waiting for, you know, what was going to happen. I didn't want to be checked. So my midwife was very hands-off and, um, Let's see. So I pushed, I actually pushed for eight hours, which is pretty crazy. I know. And I think looking back, I think I was, I was so at peace with the process that I wasn't trying to make anything happen. Mm -hmm. So I really think that I I was just waiting for the contractions and then my body would push and then I would wait for the next one. And I really wasn't, yeah, I wasn't trying to make it happen faster. Um, So the sun was coming up and he was finally coming down and through, and it was just really slow, really slow. The head would be there, and then it would go back up, and then it would come down. <laughs> it was that part was, I think, a little frustrating, um, just how long it was taking for him to descend. And then um, his head emerged, and at that point, I don't know what happened. I think I must have lost. I don't know. The nerves must have. Um, I don't know what they did, but I couldn't feel anything at that point. Mm-hmm. And I was just smiling and I was like, the head's out. And my husband was in the pool with me and he's like, you have to push. Like it had been like three minutes and he's like, you got to push. And finally the midwife actually spoke up and was okay. I need you to like, I need you to actually push <laughs> like on your own, like really give it a go. So, um, so I pushed and he came out and I actually found out a couple of years ago. So that was, that was eight years ago. I found it a couple of years ago from my husband when we were discussing it. I always thought that his head had come out to the neck, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that he was just, and that's probably why I had relief from pain and why I didn't feel much. But he was like, no, he was like out to his eyebrows. Oh. And I was like, I was sitting there like that for like five minutes. Oh. And I had no idea because I couldn't feel anything. But anyway, I was quite horrified when I found it. <laughs> <laughs> it quite overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. So he came out and he didn't breathe for a while. Um, And I remember just feeling completely at peace. I knew he was okay. And I could kind of sense that there was some tension in the room. Um, But I was like, I know that I know that he's fine. I had no, no worries in the slightest. I don't know. I just knew that he was going to be fine. Um, My mom was there. She was a little nervous. Um, I mean, she wasn't presenting herself, but I, you know, she was praying and my sister was there and um, that she, my midwife actually used a little face pump on him and to get him to take his first breath. So, and I might've just been, you know, he, he was, you know, down there for a really long time. So there might've been something, you know, so she used the face pump and he breathes and yeah, it was perfect. And, um, I definitely didn't expect the intensity of it, but overall, I, I thought it was a really good experience and, I wasn't looking forward to doing it again necessarily, <laughs> but it was great. And, and our, uh, our put my postpartum was, was just fine. I mean, I just had him, so it was just a, you know, restful time for me. And yeah, overall, I, I was really happy with the experience. Mm, that is beautiful. Now, I think you brought up such a great point. The fact that, okay, he wasn't breathing, but I wasn't really concerned I knew he was going to be all right. I think moms really need to hear that because it can feel really overwhelming to some in that moment of, oh my goodness, my baby's not breathing. But it's important to remember that it's 90, excuse me, one out of 10. So 90% are gonna just perk right up. But but there's another 10% of babies who will need some amount of stimulation, maybe just one pump from that um, the bag mask um, and then they typically tend to perk right up. So that's great that you mentioned that that did happen to you guys. Yes. And how big was he? He was 10 pounds actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that might've been why it was so hard to get him out. Also being a first time mom, you know, that was to be expected that it would take longer, but yeah, he was, he was a doozy to get out. And then yeah. And my second was actually 10 pounds as well. Mm, gotcha. Yep. So those nice, nice plump babes, but he came <laughs> out, everything was fine. Yes. <laughs> That's great to hear. So, okay, great. That, that is such a beautiful first birth. I mean, it just, that is, that's all of the things that we wish for in our birthing mm-hmm. experience. And since you had been preparing so much for this moment, I'd love to hear kind of how it culminated. Like, how did you feel once he actually was in your arms for the first time? Oh, I definitely felt the the rush of hormones and the, the immediate joy and just bliss of having him in my arms finally. And, you know, we didn't know the gender. So just meeting him, it was just, yeah, a lot of emotional, just very beautiful emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing is that I had been up all night and it was very intense work. So I do feel like I was a little bit clouded mentally just from being utterly exhausted. Mm. Um, so that was the only thing, yeah, just being so exhausted. And then um, that whole day, you know, just wanting to enjoy your ba- your new baby and just being so exhausted and feeling like you need to take a nap and not really wanting to, because you just want to look at your baby. And um, so 
that's my only qualm with going into labor at night is that, you know, you're going to have to pull an all nighter. Yep. <laughs> yep. And oh, I feel like that is definitely the majority of how labors like to progress. So mm-hmm. whew, that, that can be rough. All right. That's amazing. So with your second, what was the, what's the age difference? And then what was that pregnancy and birth like? So they are two and a half years apart, almost three years apart. And yeah, the pregnancy was very similar to my first. Um, yeah, it was enjoyable. I uh, definitely had a good pregnancy. I went with the same midwife that I had used in my first. So I was happy with that because I didn't have to start over. And I knew that I could, you know, get the same experience with her and not have to worry. Um, so that was wonderful. And I went 42 weeks again with him, which was expected. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to have him outside. So I had a whole plan to set up the tub on my back deck and yeah, I just wanted to, I just wanted to experience that. So it was June. So it was a beautiful, um, it was beautiful weather and I went into labor on Friday night. And the funny thing about that was I, you know, obviously we're waiting. It's 42 weeks. We're waiting and waiting like any day, any time, you know, once it hits 40 weeks, you're kind of like, even though you're fine with waiting, it's still just a mental, a mental trip because you're like, well, it could be tonight, but it couldn't, it could be two weeks from now. It's like, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's definitely a mental thing. Um, so the funny thing that, uh, about when I went into labor was that we realized we didn't have the proper attachment for the hose for our shower mm. to connect to the hose. So we actually went to Home Depot and picked it up. And then when we got home, I went into labor. So it was kind of funny that we actually <laughs> needed this certain thing to final, that was the final thing we needed to get. <laughs> Once we got that little piece, I, I was ready. So I don't know. If that I feel like that. It, yeah. I feel like that happens. Like mm-hmm. I've heard so many stories of like, I was waiting for my cloth diapers to come in and then Same. finally. <laughs> There's gotta be something to it. Mm-hmm. And, and it happened again in the evening. So we put my son to bed and I went into labor and I think, okay, so my only regret with this labor was that I wish I would have just tried to sleep. <laughs> I think that that is a common, a common theme in a lot of birth stories, but I wish that I would have not gotten so excited and I would have just tried to go to sleep um, because the contractions were very manageable. They, they were, I was obviously in early labor, but it was not, not hard to manage these contractions. So I, I wish that I would have laid down because I ended up pulling an all-nighter and I didn't go into active labor until the next morning. So <sighs> That was, yeah, that was my mistake for not trying to rest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I probably, you know, if I could redo it, maybe I really wasn't able to rest. I don't, I don't quite recall, but it could have at least made more of an effort. So the next morning arrived, I was still in labor. I, I stalled a little bit, I think. I don't know if it was my body trying to just give me a little rest, but I was a little discouraged because like, man, I just did all of that all night long. And now we're like pretty much back at square one. Um, and so I, yeah, just tried to get my mental state back into a, back into alignment and it started to pick back up. And then, uh, yeah, they, the contractions started to get a lot more intense and I, uh, asked, requested my mid- midwife to come over because I, I don't like to have them come until I'm close to the end. I just, I don't know. I just like to be alone and I don't need, I don't need anything from them. So 
there's really no point for them to come sit around and watch me for no reason because I don't really like to be checked and I don't like yeah I just don't need anything so I had her come over and I did have her this was the one time that I wanted to be checked because I I think I was mentally just feeling kind of frustrated which is so funny that we do this because it's so normal but when you're in the moment it really is hard to not be defeated and frustrated so Oh, yeah. That was my only moment of frustration where I was like, what is happening? Am I actually, is it happening? Like, is this, is this progressing? So she did check me and I was seven. So that encouraged me. Uh, I went through maybe 10 more really, really intense contractions. I had my sister putting counter pressure on my back. My husband was pretty much, um, he was around, but he was mainly focused on my older son, which is what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So um, because my sister was training to be a doula at the time and she um, was fully equipped to help me. So we did a lot of rebozo. We did a ton of different things just to try to really progress it. I did a lot of contractions with, um, in different positions, which I think helped a lot. And I do think the rebozo helped as well, because I really do feel like he was not, um, engaged, um, that early that morning, I didn't feel like he was engaged. So we did all of those different things. And I feel like that helped because right when we did all of those things, um, I felt like I started to progress faster. Mm, So from that point, it was another hour of contractions. And then I decided I wanted to get in the water. I like to try to wait until I'm ready to push before I get in the water or until I really, really need that relief. So at that point I got in the water and I could feel my water bags bulging. So I knew we were close or I felt like we were close. I could feel him kind of coming down and pushing him out. I would say yeah, it was, it was a horrible experience. It was not, wow. it was not great. It was very, very difficult. And I think, I think I'm a really small person. I have a small frame and he was huge. And I think it just took a lot of force to get him out, to really get him, like push him out. It, he, he wasn't going to slide out. So um, I had to, I had to do a lot of work to get him out and it was, it was grueling. And in the end, I actually ended up like doing a half squat, I needed to get this, there was so much pressure coursing through when I was pushing, I needed to push against something. Like I couldn't just let my legs like flop. It was not that type of situation. I've seen these birth videos and I'm like, how? (laughs) Because when I push my babies out, like I have to have, I don't know, I have to like grip something Mm -hmm. or pulling. Um, So they ended up uh, putting their arms under my arms and I was able to finish pushing him out that way. I think I just needed that I don't know what it is about that, but it really helped. Like grounding almost. Like you need that grounding. Mm, force yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I had him and he was perfect. Super sweet. Not No issues with breathing or anything. And I, as I got out of the tub, I said, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> it was really rough, but, oh, and let me backtrack a little bit because I had, I had done a little bit of a different turn for this post, uh, for this, uh, pregnancy. I had really focused on, um, I I had really, uh, fallen for the, I can have a pain-free birth thing, which of course some women experience that. And that is wonderful. I did, I felt like I did everything right. And I did so much work, Mm -hmm. so much mental preparation. And I really believed that I was going to have a less painful birth than my first. I really believed it. And 
so inevitably that left me with a lot of disappointment and a little bit of disillusionment, like, wow, that really happened. And I had no control over it and there's nothing that I did wrong. But of course it sets you up for feeling like, oh, I didn't do a good enough or I must've missed something. Um, so that was a little disappointing for me because it was so painful for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that, that's pretty much my second birth. I think that you bringing that up is is such a good point. And you're right. I mean, some people do have pain-free births and that's amazing. And mm-hmm. I mean, that's wonderful. I I feel like my second birth was, I mean, there was discomfort, but I never felt pain. But I totally mm-hmm. see how if you are, if you're bent on having that experience, anything short of that could feel like failure but there's a podcast episode, like a solo episode that I'm doing soon. That's actually about pain and birth. And Mm. it's kind of like just this concept of like, okay, well, what if it is painful? You know, like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Is that wrong that it's painful? So I, I like that you brought that up that, yeah, you had, you had done everything quote, right, but you still experienced pain. And I do hope moms realize that's okay. (laughs) It's okay to experience pain. It's, it's, normal. And just because we experience pain doesn't mean that we don't love every, you know, every aspect of giving birth even, but yeah, sometimes Mm -hmm. there is discomfort and sometimes there is pain. Yeah. Okay. So, so that birth went well, despite the fact that, yeah, not, not (laughs) (laughs) pain-free. What was the postpartum like this time or that time having a toddler plus a newborn? I feel like it was smooth. Uh, my husband had two weeks off of work. So, I mean, two, two kids is not too bad. It's not too much. Um, you know, he, we had, you know, two adults, two kids. So that's a pretty, pretty good situation. So I didn't feel like we had any sort of, um, hurdles during that first postpartum period. Uh, I think my, my after pains were probably pretty bad that Mm -hmm. time. Um, and yeah, I, there's nothing that really stands out. Um, uh, it was, it was a, yeah, it was a beautiful time. We just, yeah, I'm just reveling in our, in our new baby and enjoying our family. And I was tandem breastfeeding. So, um, yeah, it, it was smooth. I, I didn't, I, mean, I never really went into, my son was there at the birth for mm-hmm. his son, his brother. And, um, I had my sister there. I had, uh, I had her there to aid me kind of as a doula. And then I also, I had coached her, um, you know, for the pushing stage, you know, if you need to sweep my son out of the room, um, I wanted her to be able to be there to do that if need be. Mm -hmm. Um, that never really, um, oh, you know, yes, sorry. She did, she did end up sweeping him out. It was so intense at the very end of the pushing and he was only two and a half. Had he been older, I would have not been worried at all, but he was only two and a half. So I was like, yeah, let's take him out. So he actually went in, uh, went inside. So he was not present for um, the pushing stage. So yeah, it really just depends on age. And I know we're going to, we're going to go more into the, the kids uh, attending births later on in the episode. Yeah, that's, that's great. And I do like the idea of really tailoring that to what the experience is bringing and what feels right with your individual children. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's great to hear. Okay, so now let's dig into this most recent pregnancy and birthing experience. What is the what was the age difference between your last two? So there's four years in between. 
which was actually really special for us because it had been so long for me, of course, since I had had a, had a child, an infant, um, it felt like doing it all over again for the first time. And it was so exciting to do that with my two children who were four or three and sorry, four and six. Mm. So they were, you know, so excited and I was so excited to take them along in the process. And, um, it felt like an entirely different experience for our entire family because, you know, with my second son, my oldest was still only two and a half. So being able to do this with them and like, oh my gosh, guys, we're expanding our family. We're going to have a new family member. Like that was just, I mean, we couldn't wrap our heads around having another family member in our house. It was so exciting. So they were just thrilled and so excited the whole pregnancy. Um, I tried to take them with me in the process as much as I could. And that just looks like talking, you know, talking with them about everything and, and not speaking to them like they're little children, you know, you have to use age appropriate language sometimes, but for the most part, just, you know, explaining things as they are and, and talking through scenarios and talking through what it might be like on that day and all the different things that might happen and framing it in a positive way. And, you know, definitely warning them that there may be some, some screaming and, and why that might happen and why, you know, why a mother might make a loud noise, things like that. We talked about all the things. And I didn't actually show them a bunch of birth videos, um, which I'm not opposed to doing that, but I didn't only because I'm really sentimental and I really wanted them to have this experience with, with our birth mm. um, and not have it have, I don't know, it, just, it felt like it would be more impactful for them to really just experience it with me and not have already seen, you know, a ton of other different births of strangers. So I didn't actually um, show them any birth videos. I might've showed them a couple, but not, not any that were um, maybe just a couple little parts of them. So that makes yeah, sense. We're also, I love yeah. that. So I, they took turns coming with me to my prenatal visits. So they got to experience everything in my midwife is so lovely and just letting them be included in the process. And I found a new midwife because my, I would have used my other midwife, but she had moved out of state. So I found another one that I was very happy with. And she is a seasoned midwife in the area that I had just heard so many wonderful things about um, and friends that had used her. And I knew that we were aligned. So I went with her and yeah, again, I just didn't, I didn't require much prenatal care. I just kind of went to the visits. We did the lab work and um, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't need any ultrasounds or anything like that. We just used the fetoscope and that was that. So that was, yeah, a good experience. I, again, just didn't feel the need to be monitored in that way. Um, I do like to have a midwife present at my births. I know there's a lot of women who do free births. I think that is wonderful. Like everyone has their own, you know, own experience with what, you know, what they want to pursue as far as their birth goes. But I just really like, I like having um, a seasoned wise midwife there. And I think it's a beautiful thing to be able to draw from their wisdom, you know, and have that comfort of knowing like there is just this wonderful wise woman in the room. And if I should ever, you know, need to seek advice or something, you know, if something's happening that I'm not sure, or it hasn't crossed my mind, you know, isn't in my wheelhouse of knowledge, I can draw this from her. And I think that's beautiful to be able to have someone like that. So that's kind of where I am with having a professional in the room with me. Mm -hmm. during birth just in case I like yep. having that cushion there 
And I, let's see, where was I? Go I, ahead. Well, I just, I feel the same way. That's exactly, I, I totally understand that moms can give birth alone. I mean, gosh, mm-hmm. how many examples of that do we have? But mm-hmm. I also understand that midwives have been cherished from <laughs> the beginning, you know, that there's always been so much safety in that and having someone who knows so much about all of the different scenarios. And like you said, who you can call upon for counsel if you need it. And mm-hmm. I think that's, what's really important about picking the right midwife is having one. And it sounds like that's what you did. It sounds like you were really very mm-hmm. intentional about that, but finding one who is totally willing to be hands-off unless they're needed. And then you can call upon them for that skill. But having that nice balance of not someone who's just going to, you know, bulldoze over you and tell you what to do and um, kind of manipulate your labor experience, but someone who is just gently there, who could guide you if needed. Exactly. And also if they are, if they send, if it's a seasoned midwife who really knows what they're doing and who really honors the body and the process, and they sense that you have the confidence, they're not going to try to interfere anyway. You know, they're going to use their wisdom to really evaluate the situation and make the best decisions um, for you and your birth. So yeah, it's very, very important to ask the right questions when you're interviewing midwives and really find someone who you are aligned with and really think ahead to think, you know, if this happened, how would you, what, what would be your response to this? And, you know, asking them all the hard questions um, is really important to, you know, getting that good outcome at the end. Mm-hmm. All right. So, yep. So you said that your sons took turns going to appointments with you. You did fetoscope only. What else was the, the that preparation kind of like getting ready for that next birth? So I skipped over the part where I, for the first time, had nausea. So mm-hmm. starting at six weeks to, I would say, around week 12 or 13, I had, I never threw up, so it really wasn't very intense, but I had just major food, food aversion, mm-hmm. um, which was new to me. I'd never had any of that before, which automatically everyone around me is like, oh, you're having a girl now. <laughs> but I didn't know because I thought, oh, well, I've, ch- I've changed the way I've, eat- I've been eating. So, and I'm healthier. Maybe that has something to do. I didn't know, you know, why mm-hmm. um, that was happening to me, but I definitely didn't uh, equate it to it being a different gender, but turns out. <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah. So once that was over, you know, there was no other actually had less symptoms than I've ever had. Mm -hmm. I had no swelling. I had no, um, really no heartburn, maybe a little, um, where before it was like horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, this was my best pregnancy. I would say, I think I was in my healthiest state and it was very enjoyable. Um, yeah, we, we just all were just so expectant. And I would just daydream of the day again, just like my other two births, I was just daydreaming about the day that I was going to meet my new baby and get to even just experience the sensations of labor. I wasn't even dreading them. Um, it had been four years and I really had come to terms with my last birth and I was ready to do it again. And I was not afraid. And I, I just knew that it was, you know, it was going to be a challenge that I would have to rise and meet and allow to happen. And I just had, yeah, a really positive outlook on the birth. And I had been asking the Lord this time for specifics. I had been reading some things and how it really just sparked me to go, you know what, I'm just going to ask him for these things. And I'm not going to be disappointed if I don't get them. But like, I think he cares about those little things. I really do. <laughs> he cares. Right. 
So, and I don't know, you know, if this is why, but I did, I did. Cause you know, I don't want to set anyone up to, you know, be disappointed if their prayer is an answer, but I did pray. And I specifically wanted a short birth. I remember thinking three hours. I want three hour birth. <laughs> I want to have late. I want to go into early labor before I go to bed and I want to sleep all night in early labor. And I want to wake up and be in active labor and have the baby and then be able to enjoy my baby for the rest of the day, not being, you know, exhausted mm-hmm. because my last two births had been through the night. So those were, that's what I wanted. And I, I literally got every single one of those things. So that was pretty amazing. That is and, amazing. Yeah. So let's see, I'm trying to make sure I'm not missing anything before I get into the birth. So it, I was 10 weeks past my estimated date and Yes, 10 days. And 10 weeks. We were, I went to the full. Did I say 10 weeks? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm going to explode. So, oh, and I also wanted a smaller baby. I forgot to mention mm. that. Because mm-hmm. I, I had felt like there, it wasn't not normal that I was having 10-pound babies. I, I felt like, I mean, I think that is very normal. I just felt like for me, there was, a, there was an underlying cause for that. And right. I think I did have some issues with blood sugar and stuff like that. So that being resolved, I was hopeful that I would have a smaller baby (laughs) and Mm -hmm. I did. So that could have contributed to the ease. I don't know. So yeah, it was 10 weeks, 10 days. I almost said weeks again, (laughs) 10 days after. And we had just been so expectant because we, I had just had everything ready. I'm a perfectionist and I just wanted everything to be so perfect. And so every single day, like, you know, making sure the house is the way it's supposed to be and making sure I have the right food in the fridge and making sure I have my, you know, all the things that I need. And so doing that every single day to make sure that it's ready for that day is kind of mentally exhausting. So I did kind of get like, oh gosh, can I just have this baby? Um, for, for that reason only, just because I'm like, I really, I've just been expecting every single day. So there was some false alarms and I was constantly saying, oh, this could be it because you know, I'm having these tightenings all night or whatever. Um, and then they would always taper out. But the night that I went into labor, I was putting my son to sleep and I felt the usual tightenings and I could tell they were a little stronger, um, completely painless, but I could tell that they were stronger and they seemed to be kind of coming, coming on steadily and, um, with the same, um, yeah, like five minutes apart. So I put him to sleep and then went to hang out with my husband we were watching some TV in bed and I didn't actually say anything to him because I was like, you know what? It might not even, I'm not even going to do a false alarm again. So I'm just not going to say anything. So I, we actually went to sleep and I never said anything to him. Um, but I noticed that they were still coming and I was like, Ooh, this might be it to myself. But I didn't tell anyone. And, um, the most amazing thing that I never would have expected was that I was able to sleep all night long. And I was definitely in early labor because I, um, the only way I can describe it was that I was aware all night long that I was still contracting mm. steadily. Um, so I would roll over or change positions and I would be like, oop, they're still there. There they are. They're still there. This is it. And I'd go back to sleep. So that was incredible. And of course I had to get up a few times to use the, use the restroom. So I was aware all night that it was happening. So I woke up, um, and yeah, it was still, it was still, they were coming on and they were coming on a little bit stronger, a little bit closer together. So I, I spent some time timing them, just laying in bed and then um, really just knew that it was, this was the day. And I just couldn't have been happier because it was the morning and I had just <laughs> done all of this, 
all night long. So that was exciting. So I just did a couple things to kind of get ready, ordered some groceries and um, got some labor drinks ready, some food prepped for the midwives and family and woke up my husband, which my younger son was awake at that point and just told him the exciting news. And it was just such a joyful joyful time to just finally be like it's happening like it's really the day like it's really happening because this is so long awaited and it has been four years since I've had a birth so I mean there was just so much excitement and um, my younger son woke up my older son and told him and I'm telling you I mean there's never been a happier morning in my house like it was just the sweetest thing I can't even describe how sweet it was my boys did not pick up a toy or play that entire morning. They were right next to me and they were just kissing me, telling me they loved me. My oldest told me he loved me at least like two times. No, no exaggeration. Like he was just like, love you, mom. Love you, mom. Like he was just kind of like, oh my gosh, I love you too. Like, can you please stop talking to me? Um, uh, once I was like, you know, in deep you know, having the heart contractions. Yeah. So, so sweet. Just holding my hand and just so excited, just helping my husband get the pool set up. And, um, it was, we had my playlists going, it was a beautiful sunny morning. It was just perfect. And I'm like, is this real? Like, is this happening? I was just, just in awe. And meanwhile, I am trying to get the things done that I want to get done. I need to get, I need to do an enema. So I'm like, I got to do my enema. I got to take a shower and just a couple little things I got to do. Um, and I knew I had like a short amount of time to do it because the contractions were coming on faster and stronger. It was a very, very nice progression where I could just tell it was definitely like they were getting more intense as it went on. So I'm like, I gotta, I gotta hurry. Cause my main goal was to relax fully, like every muscle of my body relaxed and I knew I needed to finish what I needed to do so that I could do that. So I like to do an enema um, right before I go into labor, right, you know, when I'm just about ready to be in active labor, mm-hmm. just to clear out. And I always get questions about that. It's super simple. I just use warm water and a little stainless steel enema bucket. And you can look up the instructions online, just Google it. But it's wonderful because then you just don't have to worry about pooping in the tub. So I did that. It's so funny that you said, say that because I think you may be one of the only other people that I know that does that. And I've done that with both of my labors. And the second one, I did it not as much for like the worrying about pooping, but because I could tell that I was like clogged up and it was not <laughs> allowing her to descend. <laughs> so I, I did an enema and then she like plopped right down. Oh my goodness. <laughs> it was like, I, I knew that was what I needed. <laughs> oh, that is funny. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. I think everyone could stand to do one before uh, later. Yeah. I think it's a good idea. <laughs> Clear on out. <laughs> yeah. So I finished up the little things I needed to do, called my mom. My mom was not in, not, she lives across the, she lives across the country. So I called my mom, tell her what was happening. Everyone's so excited. Called my sister, told her to come over. Um, two of my younger sisters were going to be present. So I, I told them to come over and yeah, I pretty much was ready at that point. The pool was set up. Everything was perfect. And I just decided, okay, I'm going to get into my zone now. And now is the time. Cause I was at that point. Oh, when I was in the shower, I had, to, I started having to stop for the contraction. So I was like, oh man, I'm really pushing past where I wanted to be. I really need to lay down. Mm-hmm. So I lay down and my plan had just been to, yeah, full relaxation, 
focused breathing. And that, that is kind of where I spent the most of my practice time in pregnancy with my last pregnancy, just spending time practicing my breathing and practicing my relaxation. So that was my, that was my labor plan. I was relaxing and the boys were just on the bed with me. My youngest was massaging my back and my oldest was timing my contractions for me. And it was just, just euphoric. It really was even before I had the baby, it was just the most sweet, special, sacred time for my family. Um, I cannot even describe it, but it was so, so incredibly beautiful. So um, I finally got to the point where I was like, you know, I really can't lay down through these anymore. So I'm going to get up. So I started leaning over my birth cub, which is kind of like a birth ball, but it's flat and did a bunch of contractions that way. And I had told my midwife, hey, I'm in, I'm in labor, but don't come. I'll let you know when I need you or when I want you to come. Um, so at that point, she was still not there. And I quickly realized like, wow, this is progressing so quickly and so perfectly like it just uh the way that it felt just felt so right is the only way I can describe it because I had never experienced like just a really swift labor like that and it just felt like there was no obstacles this time and so it was just straight through is is the only way I can like kind of think to describe how how I was um experiencing it so it felt so right that it was just progressing so smoothly and I could feel all the sensations and I could feel, I could feel her coming down. And at that point, when I started to feel, I actually felt her coming down. I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is like actually a lot closer than I thought. So I texted my midwife and told her to come over, which she was about 30 minutes away. So she started to head our way. And at that point I was definitely having to, um, really focus on through these surges. They were intense and I was not able to relax through them while I was leaning over. Um, it's like, it wasn't enough. I wasn't able to relax enough in my muscles for it to really do what it needed to do for me to relax and, and experience relief from that relaxation. So once my contractions got to the point where I was starting to writhe and starting to really tense up, I knew it was time to get in the tub and I really could feel her head coming down. So I, I, yeah, thought that was a good time to get in. So I went ahead and got in and I only did about, I think there was seven contractions between when I got in the tub and when she was born. So it wow. wasn't, it wasn't too long after um, my midwife got there and we had this, I had this plan for how I was going to be positioned in the tub because I had to take into account the previous birth that I had, where I knew that I needed that pressure. I knew that I needed to be supported in some way. And being in the tub, um, there's not a great way to, aside from leaning over with your arms um, on the side, it's kind of hard to get in a good position to where you feel super, super relaxed for me anyway. Mm -hmm. So my plan was to have Isaac behind me on a stool outside of the tub. And every time I'd have a contraction, he would hold my arms up and I would completely flop. Like, every muscle limp. And I don't think I'll ever give birth another way again. Um, it was so incredible. The difference between a contraction where he was holding me up and a contraction where he wasn't was like night and day. I would say it took the pain level from like a 90 down to like a 20. Wow. <clears throat> so, or like a nine down to two. Mm -hmm. So 
whenever he would hold me up, I would just go completely limp and it was manageable. It wasn't horrible. Like it really wasn't, the contractions were brutal, but when I would relax, I was able to get through them. Um, And then there were a few contractions where he wasn't able to get there in time or I didn't get positioned in time. Mm -hmm. And once I was starting the contraction, I couldn't um, relax into it. And so those contractions were horrible. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I definitely, definitely loved the just relaxation of having someone support me so I could just completely head to toe, let go. And my head would like flop to the side. That's how relaxed I was. So yeah, about seven of those contractions and the head started coming down and everyone couldn't believe it. My husband was just like, oh my gosh, like this is happening already. Like we feel like we felt like we had just started the morning and here she comes. And um, yeah, I let out some, some pretty, pretty decent screams, uh, yells. (laughs) My sons were right beside me. They had only left the room at one point for my sister to read them a book. She kind of took them to, you know, it was a little boring for them at at a certain point where I was just kind of sitting there. So I was like, oh, get them. No, actually they need to come back out because we're about to have a baby. (laughs) So someone went and got them. They came back in. But other than that, they were there the whole time. And yeah, I had her and it was, she came out perfectly. I mean, it was, it was, it was difficult, but I, I was in complete shock that it was over, um, this long awaited moment. And, you know, thinking, you know, it could be another 12 hour plus labor. And then it was just done. And it was, I, it was so, so incredible that the way that it happened that I am still just in awe of it because it was so perfect. Nothing like nothing could have been more perfect than the way that it happened. And she came out, um, she was crumbled with her cord and her eyes were wide open looking at me. And it was like, I could have just melted. Um, and so I held her while the midwife, um, unwrapped the cord and it took about 15 seconds. She was quite tangled. So I finally pulled her up and I didn't, I couldn't see her gender pulled her up. And I mean, it was like slow motion, seeing her face coming out of the water because I honestly have never seen a more beautiful baby. Like everyone thinks that about their baby, but I could not have imagined a more beautiful, serene face. And she was just, her eyes are wide open. My boys both had their eyes closed when they came up. Um, and they actually didn't open their eyes for a couple of hours after birth. So it was really special to see her eyes right away mm. and pulled her up. And I just immediately, I'm just like sobbing. <laughs> I just can't believe that. And I was like, are you kidding me? She's so beautiful. Um, and well, I didn't know if it was a boy or girl. I'm like, it's, it's just gorgeous. This baby uh, was just overwhelming. Yeah, just so many hormones rushing, rushing over me. And to have my little boys there and my husband's freaking out. He's just so happy and everyone's just, just so much joy. It was just so special. And we held her for, a, I held her for a little bit. She didn't breathe right away. Uh, took her a couple minutes, shake her first breath, kind of rubbed her back and, and her feet a little bit to give her a little stimulation. And she ended up taking her first breath and everyone was very excited about that. And yeah, we kind of just reveled in her for a few minutes and then um, Phineas wanted to, my youngest wanted to be the one to kind of see what gender it was. So he came over and lifted her leg up like a little chicken and, <laughs> um, he wasn't going to say anything. So I, I called out, it's a girl. And, <laughs> oh my goodness, it was just so special to, I, I couldn't believe I had a girl. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you have and any moms listening who have, you know, had the same gender twice or more times 
you can't imagine having the other gender. It's just weird. It's weird. Cause now that I have her, it's, you know, it's the same as, you know, but I could not imagine having a girl. So it was just like the most insane moment. Mm. And yeah. And it was just perfect. I birthed the placenta. Everything was just so smooth. We went right to the bed and I, I will never forget just sitting there holding her and just the most insane amount of joy and euphoria watching over me. Just, it was just, I'm like, it doesn't get better than this. It really just doesn't get better than this. Mm. This is like a peak moment of my life. (laughs) And to this day, I still say it really was my favorite day, the favorite, my best day that I've ever had. And I was, I mourned at that evening. I was like, oh no, the day is almost over. I just wanted the day to last forever and ever because it just was so special. Mm. And yeah, it was just, it was perfect. Um, We FaceTimed my family and announced her and it was just so, so exciting. And yeah, I think that that's pretty much it. Um, We, I was in bed all day and just enjoying her. And my husband took the boys out on a little drive um, to give me a little bit of a rest and alone time with her. And yeah, she was perfect. She was, gosh, now I totally forget. She was eight, eight, nine, I believe. So still big, but not as big as my boys. Yeah. Yeah. Significantly smaller, I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And she, I mean, she looked a lot smaller. She just was so tiny looking and, oh, we were just so in awe of her. And we told the boys her name because we had kept that secret as well. And yeah, it was just so, so, so special having, having that experience with my family. And I could not imagine it another way. Mm, That sounds like, I mean, it was just, it was the birth that you prayed for. Mm -hmm. It really was. That's so amazing. So, oh gosh, I just, it just feels so beautiful to hear how it can be, you know, Mm -hmm. it's incredible. When, uh, when we started this, there were some questions that some of your followers had for you. Um, And I thought that we could kind of go through those here after hearing your birth experiences. So with that in mind, um, one person asked, or I think a number of people were asking how to handle family who does not respect their birthing choices. So that was obviously, like you said, not something that you had to deal with personally, but do you Mm -hmm. have any advice for that? I feel like I do. And yeah, it's, it's, I didn't have to deal with that personally. Thankfully, all of my family was very much in support of our decisions, no matter what they were. And we just have, yeah, just really great family. Um, And again, my mom had had home birth. So it wasn't, it wasn't a new idea to my side of the family. My husband's side of the family, um, that was new, a new idea to them, but they were fine with it. And they obviously, you know, were respectful and, um, had nice questions, but nothing, nothing intrusive, nothing disrespectful. And, um, it was, yeah, great to have that support on both sides. And, um, but I have pondered you know, what I would do if I was in that situation. And I know so many women have to deal with it. And it's so unfortunate that we can't be supported by our families in that way. Um, but my advice would be, um, to not put so much energy into changing their mind. And that shouldn't even be the primary focus unless it's your husband, mm-hmm. which is what I was saying earlier. Your husband, obviously, you're gonna want to really put a lot of effort and energy into really getting him to understand where you're coming from. But when it comes to other family members, I mean, even your parents, 
if they're not going to respect your choices and they're going to be disrespectful to um, you and even mocking or whatever, that is someone that you need to separate from your birth experience. That is someone who I'm not saying you need to not see them, but this is a topic that it should be off limits that you should not, you should, you know, try in any way to, to eliminate them from the situation of your birth. So whether that looks like walking away, if they're starting to bring it up or saying, Hey, we're just not going to talk about this right now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about this with you. Um, and you know, they might end up realizing, Hey, like the way that I'm acting is, or the way that I'm handling the situation is inevitably cutting me off from the situation. And I don't actually want to be cut off from the situation. I want to be involved. So if they can, if they're mature enough to understand that, then they might come around to maybe not um, agreeing with their choices, but they might at least, you know, stop harassing you or stop making comments and just let you kind of do what you're going to do and leave you alone, which I think should be the goal. And I don't think the goal needs to be to change their mind. Right. That's a great point. Now, another one <laughs> like this, this will be fun. What are we allowed to say no to during prenatal care? <laughs> I chuckle at the word allowed. <laughs> You're allowed to do whatever the heck we want to do. I mean, it is our body. <laughs> and um, if anyone, yeah, if there's a provider that is telling you what you're allowed and not allowed to do, I mean, that is, that is a red flag and that is not a provider that I would seek to employ. Um, so yeah, to, to answer the question more realistically, it really does depend. So it, it all comes down to who you choose as your provider. So are you going to choose a provider who is um, aligned with you in the sense that they're not going to push things on you that you're not comfortable with. So that's something you need to ask them. You need to ask all of the right questions in order to understand what kind of provider you are, you are aligning yourself with. So for me, um, I made sure that I had someone who was going to be okay with no ultrasounds, not even the 20 week scan, which, you know, I guess that can be kind of, um, from what I hear, most midwives want you to at least get that 20 week scan. So that's a big one for me. I don't want any of them unless absolutely necessary. Of course, unless there's a reason that, you know, comes up that shows that I need to actually see what's going on or something of that sort. I don't think ultrasounds are 100% bad. I just don't think that they're needed in a healthy pregnancy mm -hmm. unless there's a, a red flag of some sort. So I declined the pretty much you can decline, decline anything you want, mm -hmm. but it's just a matter of, is that midwife going to um, be someone who is going to push back against that? So that's something you need to know beforehand. So I decline, of course, the glucose drink. Um, what else is there? Like the GBS. Caitlin. Yeah. All of that stuff. Um, mm -hmm. What else? I see. I don't even know. Cause I just decline everything. Yeah. Um, I, like, of course the vaccines, mm -hmm. um, all of the, you know, you want to ask questions about what they administer during labor. Um, are they okay with, um, you know, questions like, you know, I was okay with the Doppler during labor. That was my only thing. I'll, I will let them use the Doppler, but some people don't even want to do that. So that's also a question to ask. Will you use the fetoscope during labor? Um, but yeah, you can, you can definitely decline anything that you'd like. And I think my only regret from my last birth, my last pregnancy is not declining the labs. Um, because at the time I was like, oh, whatever, you know, if that makes you feel better, do take my labs. That's fine. I don't care. Um, but I shouldn't have because it caused issues with them reading my 
iron levels. And I'm sure, you know, there's like this whole iron myth thing. And I, um, they, you know, oh, your iron is low and yada, yada. And of course I have a different view of that. So that was the only issue that I encountered with my mine. And it's not like they were threatening me with not, I mean, they were super sweet and they're, you know, aware that there's a wide range of, um, you know, it's, it's not like a huge, huge deal, but they do want to like make sure that they're covering their bases. Right. So I kind of wish that I had declined that because they did ask me, are you okay with this? And I really could have just said no. Mm -hmm. And that would have just eliminated that whole issue. But I, I think there's probably a lot of, a lot of midwives that would not, I guess, quote unquote, allow you to not take that again. Yeah. The answer to the question is just asking those questions upfront so that, you know, so you're not blindsided when they're like, Hey, you have to do this because mm -hmm. yeah, they can, I mean, pressure you and put you in a position where you're now having to decide if you're going to continue care with them, which that's not something that anyone wants to deal with in the middle of their pregnancy or even towards the end of their pregnancy. So yeah. that those are great points. Something else that comes to mind when I, just when I read that and just kind of the way that it's asked and I totally get where, I mean, I've gotten this question in so many forms over the years. Um, but this idea of what am I allowed to do? I mm. think we've really got to rethink that um, because, hey, this is motherhood. Like whether this is, you know, your first baby, I think it really comes up a lot for first time moms. But also, even if like this is your third or fourth baby and you're starting to realize, wait a minute, I'm in charge here. Um, it's so important to do that. It's so important exactly. to realize that, no, 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 you are not just riding along. You are in the driver's seat and you are the mother and you can take the responsibility and should, frankly, take the responsibility mm -hmm. to decide what your experience, care, what your thoughts and ideas are going to be, not only about this, but in the future. You cannot risk having people externally bossing you around when you were you were given this child by God to shepherd them. So let's get in the right mindset of allowing is not how this works. <laughs> you are their mother and you need to step up and just own it as much as you can. Reach. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> So, okay, this next one, and we, I think you might, maybe you already answered this, but this idea, if you could change one thing, what would it be? Yeah, I guess I already answered that one. That was really the only thing mm -hmm. um, because I don't want any, anything standing in my way of that person attending my birth or being willing to attend my birth, if that's my plan, which it, it was my plan. So I mm -hmm. wanted that person there. So I don't want, I don't want to have any, anything hindering that. So I think I didn't ask the right questions. I didn't ask, I didn't specifically ask about the iron thing because I hadn't thought of it. Mm -hmm. And I was ended up, I ended up being put in the position where I had to take iron supplements, um, which of course I didn't have to do that, but mm -hmm. I decided, you know, you have to weigh what, yeah. what you're wanting to do. And to me, that was the less stressful thing. I did not want to, you know, cause a big hullaboo with my midwives. I just um, wanted to push up against that, but also, knowing, you know, after speaking with them, realizing like they really do need to see this up and looking back, would I have done it the same? Maybe not. Maybe there was another, maybe there was another, um, another way, but I was just very much just in the mindset of like, no, this is the easiest way. It's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. Um, but now learning more about it, I'm like, Hey, I probably shouldn't have mega dose iron <laughs> for a week, but <laughs> I did, I did get my, 
I did get my levels up and, you know, all was well, but uh, yeah, that's something that I, I definitely didn't give enough thought to. Well, and so moms that are listening and midwives too, because I know I know it's like, wait, what? You have to have high iron levels. There's a lot of research coming out about copper and the Mm -hmm. importance and the way that copper, vitamin A and iron all are intermingled together. And Mm -hmm. so the ability to actually be supplementing throughout pregnancy with copper. So I use bee pollen um, and Mm -hmm. then vitamin A. So that can be through beef liver or cod liver Mm -hmm. oil, like a high quality cod liver oil, the Mm -hmm. vitamin A and copper, when those are high, that will help the hemoglobin stay in the right area without focusing so much on the iron. And it's not to say that iron isn't important, but we are overloaded with iron. Exactly. That is what I was just going to say. We're overloaded and it's just not showing up on the blood test because it's in the tissue, right? So I'm not an expert on this. Corey Malloy is your girl. She's the mm-hmm. one. So, so when, when I post, I posted all these stories about my, my, my issue and Corey messaged me. She sent me these voice messages, basically like Rose, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> and, um, and, uh, I, you know, she had all this amazing advice. So uh, honestly, she had, I think probably the better solution for what I should have done in the situation, which was, I think a full Monty panel, I should have gotten right away. She had all these things, but I, I just wasn't in that mode. I was yeah. like, eh, I'm just going to do this. It's yeah. <laughs> but you know, I definitely didn't handle that situation in the way that I would if I would, were to redo it. Well, it's great that you're bringing it up too, though. So because it's not, I don't feel like most people know about this. So I'm glad that people can hear. Yes, full Monty panel is an option. And I would recommend doing that like earlier on in labor too, to check, I'm not mm-hmm. in labor, in pregnancy, to check what your levels are so that you can make sure that like, okay, as we get further on, I know there's going to be a decline. So let's go ahead and build up our stores now. Um, that is and- an amazing, that's amazing advice because I was blindsided at 37 weeks. So yeah. exactly what you just said, get it, get it, um, get that panel done early enough so you're not scrambling at the end and having them tell you your levels are too low for a home birth. Yep, exactly. And then I just, I, you can find, and I bet Corey may, Corey may even have it on her Instagram. I'm going to need to look it up and hopefully I can attach it to this episode. But there have been some studies about like vitamin A and supplementing with vitamin A in the form of cod liver oil, like a teaspoon mm-hmm. a day. Uh, compared Mm -hmm. to just supplementing strictly with like increasing your iron. And though it may take a little bit bit longer for your levels to improve with vitamin A, they actually stay sustained. Whereas if you supplement with iron, they will rise dramatically and quickly, but they will also fall very quickly as well. So that's Mm, something to consider. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like you could have a whole episode just on iron. (laughs) I need to get like a dream team together and talk about it. (laughs) You really should. It is a topic that comes up constantly because it's, it's just this big, this big issue and it's so misunderstood. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm for that. You should do it. Um, Okay. And oh, this one's very, I don't know how you're going to answer this. What does labor feel like? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So I actually have a good answer for this one because it is, it is so hard to describe it. Um, I had this epiphany after my last birth where, okay, you know, the wave analogy that everyone always uses. Well, what do you imagine when you think of the wave analogy? I always imagined riding the top of the wave, Mm -hmm. but then it hit me. I was like, wait a second. No, I have a really good analogy for how a contraction, a super intense full on labor contraction feels like. 
if you've ever been to the beach with big waves and you get knocked over by a wave and you are pummeled by that <laughs> wave and it is pulling your all your limbs out in all directions and you are just like completely pummeled um and then you have to relax your imagine relaxing your entire body while that is happening that is what it feels like to me mm. um so when you're yeah your your whole you have no control and it is you have to surrender and um I don't know. For me, that was, I was like, oh my goodness. Yes. It's not riding that top of the wave, like all nice and peaceful. It's you're being pummeled and you have to then find your relaxation in that, which is very difficult. I love that. Yeah. You're so right. It's, and, and maybe sometimes it is that feeling of experiencing the kind of the crest of the wave, but yeah, there are some that, especially like when we're in super active labor that can just drag you around, but letting them do that is the secret to it, you know, mm -hmm. allowing them. Yeah. Let them move you around. Let your arms flail. That's, that's what this mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And obviously not all contractions are like that. And right. some women don't experience contractions like that at all. So they're not all horrible. And again, like when I was able to relax, um, just to put a positive spin on what I just said, cause that might've sounded kind of scary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Oh no, am I creating fear? Uh, no, relaxing is, uh, it releases so much of that um, tension and it is just so much better going through the contraction when you're able to relax. And it really isn't honestly that painful when you're able to relax fully. Yeah. And I don't, even when I hear you saying like feeling pummeled, it may be because I've experienced it myself, but I don't necessarily think that means painful. It just means it's all consuming. Like there's, it's, it's like you said, that lack of control. There's no control over what's going on in your body. So the only answer, the only solution that brings that peace is, okay, just relax into it. Yes, definitely. And then the final question that we had was what to do if a midwife will not deliver a breech baby at home? Well, that would be a provider that I would not have employed to begin with mm -hmm. because that tells me everything I need to know about how they view birth and their philosophy of birth. If they're not able to do that simple, supernatural thing, I mean, that is breach is not even that, you know, big of a deal when it comes to all the different things that can happen in labor. If they're not willing to do that, yikes, that's not someone that I would want at my birth at all. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, and that's, I guess there's no good answer to that because you know, if that's someone you have already, you have already signed up for in your, you know, in your third trimester, I mean, honestly, like they, they have, they can't call the shots as far as what they're allowed, they're going to, willing to do for you. So if they're saying, I'm not going to come, then they have the right to do that. And that's who you chose. And unfortunately, yeah, there's not really a great answer aside from trying to choose someone in the first place that has a philosophy of birth that you agree with. Mm -hmm. That's great. That's yeah. Very proactive. And I, gosh, I just wish that breach training was more accessible to more midwives so that they were comfortable. And then also state to state licensing can be the hindrance for so many midwives who want to do this, but are like, okay, but I could lose my license if I mm -hmm. get, you know, I, it, bureaucracy is infuriating to me when it comes mm -hmm. to birth. Um, yes. But yeah, that's, that's a great point. It's just, well, we've got to find the right provider from the very beginning. And we've got to be asking these questions, even if we don't think that's going to happen to us, let's know for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh man, Rose, this has been 
amazing. Hearing your journey, hearing your three beautiful birth stories and the culmination of just, like you said, just euphoria, not only during that moment of birth and during that moment of meeting your daughter, but the whole day, just, I mean, my heart is just so open right now. I just feel all of the excitement for any mother who is on the precipice and getting ready to experience something so glorious like that. I think your story was so impactful and I love the intentionality, like I said, that you brought to your pregnancy, to your labor and to your family with this whole experience. So thank you so much for sharing all of that with my listeners. Oh, no, thank you for having me. I am so overjoyed to have been able to share any of this and I hope that it's helpful and even just interesting to moms who are listening and yeah I'm I'm so honored to have been on and I yeah I hope that I was able to get across what I intended um and that someone finds it helpful yeah now and also I just wanted to say I am so uh so just amazed by what you're doing and in such support of what you're doing and I also wanted to say I forgot that I didn't mention this I took your course um on my last during my last pregnancy. And I found it extremely helpful because I, you know, I had already done it twice and I was already familiar with all the terms and everything and all of the things that go along with birth, but it had been four years and your course was the most perfect refresh for me. Um, It was honestly just the only, I really didn't do much else. I did the course and I read a couple of books, but your course was just incredible. I love it. And I loved how it just covered everything that you could even think of. And it was so simple and easy to listen to. Anyway, I just had to throw that out there. Well, thank you for mentioning that. That's actually where I was going next was to say (laughs) you did a beautiful um, Instagram. You did stories. I think you might have a highlight saved as well as a post on your feed about Happy Home Birth Academy. You went through it and answered so many questions. And all I could think of was, oh my gosh, Caitlin, why haven't you ever done this? (laughs) Like you (laughs) promoted it better than I ever have. (laughs) So if anyone is ever interested if you're looking into happy home birth academy check out rose's information because there's also a discount code because rose is an affiliate and she just shares so much about the course and such a everything that she does just is so aesthetically pleasing so you'll very much enjoy it if nothing else just to look at it oh thank you i'm definitely better on paper i always say i'm not I'm not, my strength is not speaking. I'm better at writing. So coming onto podcasts is a little bit daunting to me, but yeah, again, I hope I was able to get some things across. It was beautiful. I would never believe that. I thought you were just as eloquent in person as you are online. So thank you. That's kind. Yep. It was such a joy to talk to you, Rose. Thank you so much for coming on the Happy Home Birth Podcast. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Where to begin with this episode roundup? I know this conversation resonated with so many of you, and I know we're all ending this one feeling satisfied and maybe a little teary-eyed. Here are a few thoughts that really stuck out to me. Number one, we've got to start asking midwives the right questions from the very beginning. Every midwife deserves to operate her practice how she sees fit, just like every mother deserves to find a care provider who is comfortable with her desires. Not every mother and midwife are going to make a perfect pair, and that's not a bad thing. Not every man and woman make a perfect pair either. It's all about having discernment, asking the right questions before signing any paperwork, 
and then working together as a team from there on out. Yes, I just compared midwifery and marriage, and I'm just going to keep on rolling. Listen, like Rose said, we've got to find alignment. If at all possible, we've got to find that midwife who you trust and who trusts you right back. It makes a world of difference. So many mothers ask me, what questions do I need to ask? And before giving out any specifics, I always like to say, you've got to figure out what you want first. I may want very different things from my care provider than you do. What do you want? What's non-negotiable? Figure it out for yourself before you even begin formulating a list of questions. Next, I loved Rose's explanation of labor waves. Sometimes you may find yourself riding the crest, and other times you gotta go limp in the undertow for a bit. Relaxation is the way through, as Rose described having her husband Isaac hold her body weight as she went completely limp through the heavy surges. And finally, labor can be euphoric. Not just the moment that our baby enters the world, though that certainly is part of it, but the entire experience can be exactly what we've prayed for, just like it was for Rose. It's one of the reasons that we talk about envisioning your birth so much throughout Happy Home Birth Academy. It's so wonderful to spend our time thinking of good, beautiful things, and that is absolutely what our labor can be. Okay, if you aren't following her already, find Rose on Instagram at Rose Uncharted. There will be a link in the show notes. She is always giving so much thought and wisdom to her community. It's a blessing to know her. All right, my friends, that's all I've got for you today. I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Are you looking to extend the home birth support, encouragement, and education? Join us in our Facebook group, Happy Home Birth Podcast Community, and check us out on Instagram at Happy Home Birth Podcast.